the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ. As it is written in the prophet Isaiah, see, I'm sending my messenger before your face to prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. So John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean region and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the strap of his sandals. The Gospel of the Lord. I speak to you in the name of the one holy and living God. Amen. Please. The deep anticipation and hunger for God awakened in Advent heightens the sense of distance. Advent brings me up short, reminds me that our capacity to save ourselves is pretty limited. Now, we know that, of course. We believe salvation is from God. But in so many ways, we live as if it's in our hands that if we could just get it right, Christ will be revealed among us anew. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, while imprisoned by the Nazis, wrote a letter before Christmas 1943. Life in a prison cell reminds me a great deal of Advent. One waits and hopes and putters around. But in the end, what we do is of little consequence. The door is shut, and it can only be opened from the outside. We're here. We're doing the best we can. We're awaiting, anticipating the coming of God, the presence of God in our lives. And the prophet Isaiah announces a stunning word of hope to the people of Israel who are captive in Babylon at that time. Comfort, comfort ye, my people, saith our God. Now, this was the first word spoken by God to the people after a silence of 150 years, announcing to them that the captivity and the exile was over, that the time of homecoming had begun, gathering the people from exile, calling the people home to God. It's the defining narrative of the Holy Scripture and of our faith. I long assumed that the instruction 
that we heard to prepare a highway to clear the path for the coming of God, first announced by Isaiah, then echoed by John the Baptist, I'd assumed that instruction was directed to us, to the people. On more careful examination, however, the passage from Isaiah appears to report the activities of a council of government, sort of a cabinet members to the Holy of Holies. The opening proclamation comes from God alone, comfort. O comfort my people, says your God. Then speak tenderly, says one, cry out. And another replies, what shall I cry? Still another voice. In the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. The command to prepare is issued then not necessarily to the people of God or to us. It is to others of God's court. You go to the mountains. You go to the sea. You go to the valleys. It's a chorus of heavenly beings deployed, sent out to prepare the way. And why does this interpretation matter? Because it means that the coming of God does not depend on your action or mine. Oh, yes, do your good deeds, say your prayers, love your neighbors, seek justice, raise those mountains, level the rough places. But it's only a matter of time before you too will realize that like being in prison, the door can only be opened from the other side. Ultimately, it is God who prepares and paves the way for us by grace, God comes to us. Now, in contrast, Tara Isabella Burton is a novelist with a doctorate in theology. And in her recent book, Self-Made, Creating Our Identities, From Da Vinci to the Kardashians, Burton proposes that our understanding of our own sense of self, our personal identity, the way we view it has changed over the centuries. These days, there's a widespread perception that fullness of life comes through self-actualization, unique among our fellow creatures because of free will, our purpose, our destiny is to exercise that will and to choose to grow into the fullness of who God created each of us to be. I may be behind on current lingo, but recently learned of the contemporary usage of the word manifesting, the act of bringing a tangible desire or goal into reality, often by putting intentional energy into bringing these goals to life, so that with enough practice, you can manifest anything, money, a dream job, even a person. And even if you're not working on it, Burton reports over 50% of Americans say they'd be a professional influencer if they could. 
Cultivating, capitalizing on a personal brand is nothing new. In a not dissimilar way, a great many of us understand the spiritual path as one of personal awakening, personal practice, that it is for each of us to discern and to live into our calling as fully as we're able. Some draw upon the practices of a single tradition. Others mix and match. It's not new, but it's not always been this way. Burton traces the history of the self-made man, the entrepreneur, the dandy who lives life as art, up to the present, citing exemplars along the way from da Vinci to Frederick Douglass to Kim Kardashian. Before the 1500s, and in some cultures today, one identity begins, our identity rather, one's identity begins and ends in relationship, in community. So whose path Whose path are you on? The poet and pastor Jan Richardson writes, Advent is a season that calls me to remember that even as I move across what seems like uncharted territory, there is a way that lies beneath the way that I am going. In some sense, we're all creating the road as we go, yet beneath this, undergirding this, is a path carved by those who traveled here before us, who followed the God, who called them to the journey, who gave themselves to preparing a way for the one who came into the world to walk with us. Now, an extraordinary and exhilarating thing happened at St. Columbus yesterday. Mitchell Felton was ordained a priest in the Church of Christ. And for those who bore witness, and there were many witnesses, for those who bore witness, there was no doubt about the power of the Spirit moving all through the generations and the millennia, all through to Mitchell, that he might then provide a way for the generations to come. A priest of the way in a great cloud of witnesses. And as with Mitchell, so with us, awakening to God's call within, yes, and following the path of God's messengers before us. So I end with a poem by Jan Richardson, Blessing the Way. With every step you take, this blessing rises up to meet you. It has been waiting long ages for you, Look close, and you can see the layers of it, how it has been fashioned by those who walked this road before you, how it has been created of nothing but their determination and their dreaming, how it has taken its form from an ancient hope that drew them forward and made a way for them when no way could be seen, 
Look closer, and you will see this blessing is not finished, that you are part of the path it is preparing, that you are how this blessing means to be a voice within the wilderness and a welcome for the way. Comfort. Comfort, my people. God is blessing you that you might be a blessing for others. Allow your steps to lead you. This blessing is not finished. You are part of the path. It is preparing. You are how this blessing means to be a voice within the wilderness and a welcome for the way. Amen.